0: is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
1: Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Well, we have a crisis management as government leads to no good. Back in 2008, Ben Bernanke and Hank Paulson, using fear of financial collapse, convinced President Bush and Congress to, one, pass a $700 billion bailout of banks called TARP, and two, allow the Federal Reserve to pay banks' interest on reserves at the same time that the Fed moved from a scarce reserve model of monetary policy to an abundant reserve policy. These policies to spend and print massive amounts of money were supersized during COVID. Both policies proved incredibly damaging. The 2008 financial panic could have been addressed by changing mark-to-market accounting. In the six months following the passage of TARP, the institution of quantitative easing, the S&P 500 fell another 40%. Only when mark-to-market accounting was changed in March of 2009 did the panic end. But because so few people understood this, The idea that any kind of crisis requires trillions of dollars of spending and money printing became the roadmap for government in a crisis. We fully understand that early on during COVID, fear that we were facing another 1918 flu pandemic was real. But by the end of 2020, there was enough data to show that government shutdowns were harming education, small business and supply chains, while it was also creating inflation. government kept spending and printing money in 21 and 22 and then rather than returning spending back to pre-crisis levels government spending has ratcheted higher between 2000 and 2007 non-defense federal spending averaged 15.3 percent of gdp between 2008 and 2019 it averaged 17.6 percent of gdp and now From 2020 to 2023, it's at 24.5% of GDP. That is a full 10% higher than it was between 2000 and 2007. For perspective, non-government spending was just 10.1% of GDP in the five years from 65 to 69. Total government debt is now $33.5 trillion, and with interest rates rising, the total cost of this borrowing is lifting government spending even more. According to an August 3, 2023 CNN article, the public remains broadly negative about the state of the country, with just 29% saying that things are going well in the US and 71% saying that they're going poorly. We think we know why. Keynesians think government spending can boost growth, but if so, that extra growth is just temporary. Every dime the government spends is created in the private sector, and the more the government redistributes, the less growth the economy will experience. Potential real GDP growth was roughly 3.5% year in and year out in the 80s and 90s. Today, we estimate it's just 1.5%. Hear that again. Real GDP growth was roughly 3.5% per year in the 80s and 90s. Today, we're estimating it's about 1.5%. Meanwhile, monetary policy is a mess. Quantitative easing signaled a shift to an abundant reserve monetary policy. In 2007, the Fed's balance sheet was roughly $800 billion. Today, it's nearly $8 trillion dollars. This money creation end up as deposits on banks' balance sheets. In turn, banks have been forced to hold more deposits than they would have existed without QE. And when banks hold more deposits, they also hold more assets. To complicate matters, in an abundant reserve monetary policy, the Fed basically sets rates wherever they want. In the past 15 years, the Fed has held short-term interest rates below inflation 84% of the time. In other words, banks and the fed itself are holding assets that they bought at much lower interest rates than exist today. If the banking system was forced to mark all of its assets to market today, many banks would be underwater. In other words, the policies put in place to supposedly save banks have actually created a less safe banking system. But there are other damage there are other strange developments as well. One is that the treasury department has a bank account at the Fed, called the Treasury General Account. On October 4th, the TGA, that's the Treasury's General Account again, held $679 billion. The TGA is not new, but for decades, through 2007, it held an average of only $5 billion. Again today, $679 billion. It was designed as a cash management tool. Why the Treasury needs hundreds of billions of dollars in this account makes no sense. Using an interest rate of 5%, Americans are paying $34 billion a year so that the Fed can hold this cash. The cost of big government just keeps going up and up, and it does need to be reversed. So all those arguments and fights back in Washington, D.C. over the budget, somebody needs to do something positive about it, like let's cut back on those spending. Let's look at that extension they have till November 17th and do something about it. Let's get this thing cleaned up and going in the right direction. Going to talk a little bit longer on our global wrap-up today about the war in the Middle East. You know, Markets are fearing that wider conflict with Hamas attacks Israel. So Israel declared a state of war on Saturday after Iranian-backed Hamas terrorists launched the bloodiest attack on the Jewish state in its history. It was an attack that the group said it spent two years planning in response to this multi-pronged assault which caught Israel unprepared, targets linked to Hamas and Gaza have been pounded by Israeli airstrikes. We kind of know all this if we watch the news, but we're still gonna talk about it. And while there are reports of scattered rocket fire from Lebanon and Syria, the conflict has occurred mainly in the Gaza Strip, on the border of which Israeli soldiers are reportedly massing in preparation of a ground offensive aimed at destroying Hamas. Given Iran's support of Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas observers are concerned that a wider war could play out on multiple fronts, posing a potentially enormous challenge to Israel's military. However, on Thursday, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said the United States sees no sign of Hezbollah massing along Lebanon's border with Israel, although Hezbollah warned Friday that it was ready to act when the time comes. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who was in Israel Thursday, will be traveling to a number of Arab states in an attempt to keep the conflict from spreading and to seek help in securing a release of hostages. Israeli fatalities have passed over 1,300; thousands Thousands more are injured. More than 1,500 have been killed in Gaza. According to the U.S. State Department, 27 Americans are confirmed dead. Additional 14 are unaccounted for. It is thought that a few of these missing are being held hostage by Hamas. A U.S. Navy carrier group is stationed in the eastern Mediterranean Sea near Israel, with a second potentially on its way in an effort to dissuade others from joining the conflict. And on Thursday, the U.S. and Qatar agreed to suspend that scheduled release of to Iran of $6 billion oil money that had been impounded due to sanctions. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned Iran that nothing is off the table in regard to new sanctions. We also saw this week that Israel formed an emergency unity government that includes a five-member war cabinet, consisting of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, two members of the Likud Party, and two members of the opposition. And on Friday, in advance of expected ground invasion, Israel warned residents of Gaza cities to evacuate to the south, but Hamas told citizens to stay put. Well, surprisingly, markets have remained calm despite the conflict, potentially providing a proxy war between U.S. and Iran. U.S. equities are stronger than they were at last Friday's close. Bond yields have lost some of the early week safe haven bid after mixed U.S. inflation data and a series of tepid treasury auctions pushed yields back up on Thursday. Oil and gold are up about 4% on the week, with most of the gains coming on Friday, while the dollar has gained modestly in the week. The war has brought back memories of the oil spike following the 1973 Yom Kippur War. However, it is important to note that the geopolitical and oil supply landscape have shifted dramatically in the past century. So, a lot of changes, but a lot of things to keep aware of there. I'm going to go ahead and break, and I will come back and talk about some of this week's global macro news.
2: Why West Edge Credit Union? Because they're all about the community. Of course I like that West Edge has low interest rates and loan specials. But what I really love is that West Edge partners with local nonprofit and city of Bellingham organizations. Plus they put on events like Community Shred. And they talk to me like I'm a real person, not an account number. West Edge really cares.
0: Join West Edge Credit Union today. West Edge is federally insured by NCUA. West Edge Credit Union on the corner of Jameson, Alabama in Bellingham.
2: This week with PNW Perks, you can enjoy Bellingham Cider Company for half the price. You might know them for their delicious variety of cider flavors like their spiced pumpkin, caramel apple, and other seasonal flavors. But you'll also be amazed by their menu, proudly sourcing their fresh food from local farms and businesses. Enjoy their in-house made ravioli, guajillo braised beef, or delicata squash salad. They're well known for their buttermilk brine chicken and waffles, but you'll also find juicy burgers made from Northwest raised beef. Or how about fresh coho salmon? with roasted tomato chutney. You'll be amazed at the variety, selection, and flavors from the kitchen. Dietary restrictions? No problem. Their menu provides a host of vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, and dairy-free options. Bellingham Cider Company, the place great ciders meet exceptional food with breathtaking views everyone can enjoy. Find them at 205 Prospect or at BellinghamCider.com. This Thursday at 8 a.m., get a $50 gift certificate to Bellingham Cider Company for just $25. Only at PNWPerks.com. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you prevent wildfires. Dude, I've got this. I've been camping since I was five years old. But
0: I am a camping influencer. You know what, I'll bet you five bucks. Assistant Smoky, what is the best way to put out a campfire?
2: To put out a campfire, drown with water, stir, drown again. Then make sure the fire is out cold by feeling with the back of your hand. Wait, really? I'll take the five bucks.
1: Learn more at smokybear.com.
3: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your
2: state forester, and the Ad Council. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow
0: all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life,
2: and I had to start again. Just my children
1: and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Stick Donnie. Here with you this Sunday morning. As always, we thank you for being with us. We are Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway. That's old Highway 99, parallel to I-5, going north, actually north of the Slater Road on the right-hand side in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite, 101 Ferndale 98248. And you can always give me a call, 360-733-1200. Okay, looking at some of the global macro news, we're seeing that there's a new US CPI data is mixed and sticky. Consumer prices in the U.S. rose four-tenths of 1% in September from August, slightly exceeding expectations. That's a gain of three-tenths of 1% with food and energy stripped out. Compared with a year ago, prices rose 3.7% unchanged from the month before, while CORE rose 4.1%, which is a level slightly lower than the 4.3% recorded in August. However, the so-called SuperCORE measure, which is CORE services except for housing Watched closely by the U.S. Federal Reserve, rose 0.61% month over month. It's the third monthly rise in a row. Yields backed up on Thursday after the release of the data. We're also seeing that another Chinese developer is warning of default. After sales plunged, China's largest private property developer, Country Garden, warned this week that it could default on its international debt. The company has almost $200 billion in debt. About $10 billion of it is dollar denominated. The company's U.S. dollar bonds trade at about 5 cents and 10 cents on the dollar, in line with values of its peers that are headed towards liquidation. Country Garden has more than four times as many projects underway than Evergrande, which is another giant Chinese property developer according to Financial Times. Concerns are lingering that Country Garden default could impact Chinese wealth management's issued products issued by shadow banks. And, of course, we're seeing that chaotic race for U.S. House Speaker is continuing. The U.S. House of Representatives remains without a Speaker more than a week after Republicans deposed of Kevin McCarthy. In a vote by members of the Republican caucus on Tuesday, Representative Steve Calise, the House Majority Leader, narrowly beat out Representative Jim Jordan, but bowed out of the contest on Thursday after he determined he did not have the votes to secure a majority of the House, given the GOP's razor-thin majority. It is unclear that the party's next step will be, though time is in the essence as legislation cannot be advanced until a new speaker is in place. Again, somebody's got to do something about addressing that budget. You know, this is a tough situation for us politically right now, but, you know, you have to admire the politicians that are willing to stand up and take a position on what's happening as far as spending in this country and saying, hey, is enough is enough. I listened quite a bit to different commentaries. Listened to Newt Gingrich a couple times who was a speaker back in the 90s when he and Bill Clinton reached a budget agreement back in the mid-90s. We had a balanced budget. And in fact, there were projections at the time that we would have gotten rid of the national debt over the next five to 10 years. Obviously, that has all been reversed. And now we're sitting here with over $33.5 trillion. Interest rates are going up. The debt on that $33.5 trillion is going up. And it's getting kind of crazy. Quick hits. Consumer prices in China were unchanged year over year in September. Producer prices fell 2.5% from the year before, raising the specter that the country could fall into deflation. Additionally, both exports and imports fell last month, signaling a lack of economic dynacism. However, credit metrics showed improvement. It is rumored that China is willing to raise its 2023 budget deficit in order to boost its ailing economy, and the country is said to be mauling a new stabilization fund to support the stock market. We saw the Wall Street Journal reported this week that Americans 65 and older accounted for 22% of spending in 2022, which is the highest percentage of any age cohort. That's up from 15% in 2010 and the highest total since records began in 1972. Spending by Well Hill seniors helps explain why consumer outlays have remained resilient despite rising interest rates. Prosecutors have interviewed U.S. President Joe Biden over two days of last weekend regarding his possession of classified documents dating back to his term as vice president and his tenure as a U.S. senator. And U.S. Congressional Budget Office estimated this week that U.S. budget deficit reached $1.7 trillion in fiscal 2023 that ended in September. Spending on mandatory programs such as Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid rose 11%, while outlays on interest in the public debt jumped 33%. Again, that $33.5 trillion, somebody's got to pay that interest on that. And the minutes of the Federal Open Market Committee's September meeting hammered home the idea that rates will stay higher for longer, as all of the members of the committee agreed that policy must remain restrictive for some time. We saw a liquid natural gas pipeline and some communication cables between Finland and Estonia were damaged this week, potentially by sabotage. And according to the Wall Street Journal, Saudi Arabia told the White House that it would be willing to boost oil production early next year if crude prices are high. A move aimed at winning goodwill in Congress leading to a deal in which the kingdom would recognize Israel and in return get a defense pact with Washington, Saudi and U.S. officials said. However, the outbreak of the war in this week is likely to indefinitely forestall any progress toward diplomatic recognition and prop that out and war was done to do one thing, and that was to help set, put off or stall that agreement. And we saw U.S. inflation expectations over the next year jump to 3.8% from 3.2% in the most recent University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. Well, the sentiment index fell to 63 in preliminary October reading from 68.1%. In September, and let's take a deeper look at that consumer price index report for the week. We saw the Federal Reserve's fight against inflation is not over. Consumer prices rose four tenths of one percent in September, coming in above the consensus expectation, while the twelve-month comparison held steady at three point seven percent. Inflation was reaccelerated of late, with consumer prices up four point nine percent at an annualized rate in the last three months. Part of the recent run-up in prices is due to the volatile energy sector, which rose 1.5% in September after increasing 5.6% the month prior. But with depleted Strategic Petroleum Reserve and escalating geopolitical tensions in Ukraine and now Israel, energy prices have remained a tailwind for inflation as we close out 2023. However, a deeper dive under the inflation hood confirms that the Fed's battle is not over. Core prices, which exclude the effects of typically volatile food and energy sectors, rose three tenths of 1% for the month, or at 4.1% in the last 12 months. Rental inflation, both for actual rents and imputed rental value of owner occupied homes, continues to run hot, up a half percent for the month and running close to and above a 6% annualized rate over three, six, and 12 month timeframes. Meanwhile, a subset category of inflation that the Fed is watching closely, knowing it's a super core, which excludes food and energy and other goods and housing rents, jumped six-tenths of 1% in September. This measure is up 3.8% in the last 12 months, but has been accelerating as late at a 4.8 annualized rate in the last three months. No matter which way you put it, inflation remains nowhere close to where the Fed wants it to be. If you couple that with a resilient U.S. labor market, Powell and companies still have plenty of reason to keep monetary policy tight in the months to come. The worst part of the report was that the real average hourly earnings declined two-tenths of one percent in September, taking a bite out of the consumer spending power. As for the economy, we continue to believe a recession is on the way. Equity investors should remain vigilant as and navigate through these unprecedented times. In employment news, initial claims for jobless benefits were on change last week at two hundred nine thousand. Continuing claims, however, rose thirty thousand to one point seven oh two million. These figures are consistent with further growth in the labor market in the month of October. And September's producer price index report also came out this week, and the producer prices jumped a half percent in September, following large increases in July and August, reminding the Fed that the inflation fight is still far from over. A year ago comparison for producer prices, now up 2.2 percent, has fallen considerably since the eleven point seven percent peak in March of twenty-two. But you need to keep in mind, though, that much of the moderation is due to outside jump inflation immediately after the invasion of Ukraine last year, are now rolling off year-ago calculations. Inflation has reaccelerated of late, with producer prices up 7.7% at an annualized rate in the last three months. If you take a look at the details of the report it shows that core prices which excludes the typically volatile food and energy components rose three tenths of one percent in september or up 2.7 percent in the last year here too prices are accelerating with core inflation at a, up at a four and a half percent annualized rate over the past three months the goods sector led prices higher in september rising nine tenths of one percent on the back of higher energy costs if you strip out energy and goods prices rose a more modest three tenths of one percent services prices rose three-tenths in september as higher costs for margins received by wholesalers are tempered by a decline in prices for transportation and warehousing prices further back in the pipeline were also accelerated of late intermediate demand Processed goods rose a half percent in September, following a 2.2 percent rise in August. That said, these prices are down 3.7 percent in the last year. Meanwhile, unprocessed goods rose four percent in September, following a two percent increase in both July and August. So, despite the recent jumps, these prices remain down 21 percent in the last year. Kick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We will be back
0: shortly KGMI News Talk 790 96.5 FM and KGMI.com Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington The People's Republic of China They're launching the first pieces of their own space station The John Bachelor Show Weekday evenings from 6 to 10. They're going to
2: use what they learn in, in constructing this station and having people live on it to plan their uh, manned interplanetary shift and to do it as quickly as
0: possible. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and
3: KGMI.com another D&D insurance commercial? Ah! And yes, it's that time of year again. If you're in the age bracket of Medicare or you're helping a parent who happens to be on Medicare, this is when you listen to the whole commercial. The annual election period starts October 15th and it runs through December 7th. You should be receiving your annual notice of change from your existing carrier. Pay attention because those changes are right there in the book. And of course, if it feels like you're reading a different language when you look at it, that's what we're here for. Hi, I'm Derek from D&D Insurance. Our staff takes the mud out of the healthcare waters and explains it clearly so that you can make an informed decision. Bring in that book this year and let us help. We're located across the street from Industrial Credit Union in the Ferndale Market Center you'll see us sandwiched between the auto licensing and downtime taps. Or give us a call at 392-8159. We look forward to seeing you here at d Insurance.
2: You've earned your retirement, and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living with amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, expansive social calendar, indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county, with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354 8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens.
0: Hi, I'm Tom Borthwick, The Diamond King. People are shocked every day because our prices are often half the mall and big stores for the same jewelry pieces. Also, we have three times the selection on bridal and engagement sets. Customers are surprised at not only the selection, but our prices. Customers wonder why. Low overhead, great discounts. That's why we have been voted best jewelry store the last two years in a row. Come to Borthwick Jewelry for the biggest selection and best prices ferndale exit 262 the seahawks are back at home on sunday october 22nd against the division rival arizona cardinals and we want to send you to lumen field with two tickets to cheer on the hawks it's easy to enter just go to this station's website and click the contest tab then fill out a registration form and you'll be entered to win a pair of tickets to see the hawks host the cardinals on october 22nd sweepstakes live until october 20th at 10 a.m one entry per person Find details and enter at this station's website. Go Hawks! Do you know a group or individual in our community that works tirelessly to make a difference? Dedicated to Service wants to give them a special shout-out on the air. Email the details to dedicated at cascaderadiogroup.com dedicated to service brought to you by neater house of luxury Watcom county's premier jewelry store with over 45,000 unique pieces to choose from in their online store and over 1500 beautiful choices in store neater house of luxury 21 bellwether way suite 107 next to lombardi's back patio we don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com.
1: Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to give you 15 common sense concepts to think about. You know, common sense is not common. That's a quote attributed to Voltaire. Here's another one from less well-known name, George Santayana: Those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. From time to time, it's good to remind us that lessons based on common sense. So, number one, we are getting older, and when this happens, we reach an age when we need more medical care. We might think that we can cut expenses in retirement. We might think that we can relocate someplace with cheaper cost of living. As long as we are living, we will be required to have medical care. Everyone wants the best possible care. So we may need to go back to someplace where it's available, and that costs money. So, the concept we should understand paying for medical care will be larger and larger expense as we get older. And two, you need to understand paper profits. There's a good expression money talks, it says goodbye. When the stock market is doing well, it's easy to measure your wealth by the value and appreciation in your portfolio. And the value of our portfolio changes constantly. So, here's a concept. Although it's your account, the profits are not yours until we sell and realize the gain. That's why your account statement lists realized and unrealized gains. The unrealized ones can vanish. Number three, debt doesn't go away. Stocks go up and down. Statement values rise and fall. If you owe money on credit cards or a home equity loan, the balance you owe doesn't get any smaller unless you actively pay it down your paper profits might evaporate, but whatever you borrowed, you still owe, plus the interest costs of carrying it. Here's the concept. When times are good and you're making money, pay down your debt. It is frustrating to see money that you thought you had. Paper profits vanish, but the debt is still there. And number four, and reinvesting dividends is important. CNBC made this point in 2022. A $10,000 invested in the S&P 500 Index in 1988 was worth $155,000 in September of 22 based on appreciation alone. If dividends had been reinvested over that period, the value in 2022 jumps to $329,000. Reinvested dividends accounted for 68% of the return. So the concept is, if you own an investment fund that throws off cash, It makes sense to put those dollars back to work, right back where they came from, especially if you can. And number five, the Joneses next door really don't care. Many people spend money, often money they don't have, to keep up with their neighbors. If you get in over your head, your neighbor, the Joneses, is not going to bail you out. They're going to tell others that you managed your finances poorly and did not bother to seek professional help. Concept, embrace financial planning and budgeting, even when you think that you don't need to do it. And number six, don't buy things that you don't understand. This is one of the lessons preached by Warren Buffett. When you make an investment, you need to understand how the company expects to make money and what needs to happen in order to make a profit. The concept many investment decisions or joint decisions, each couple usually has one primary contact or decision maker. The decision maker needs to be able to explain to others why this was a good investment. Number 7. A 33% decline requires a 50% rise in order to recover. Someone once said, no one went broke taking a profit. Investors often hover, harvest small profits while refusing to admit a different investment was not worked out. If a $100 stock declines 33%, it's now about $66. To get even, the stock needs a 50% rise from that level. And that is maybe a lot to ask. So the concept is, it makes sense to hold your winners longer and sell your losers early. And number eight, taxes will go up. The federal government spent a lot of money during the pandemic. They'll figure out a way to get it back. There are many levers that they can pull. This includes taxing Social Security, changing the estate tax exemption, changing capital gains tax rates and other adjustments. So the concept is that tax laws are complex. It makes sense to hire a good accountant who understands your situation. Number 9. Prices will stay high because inflation is here to stay. The Federal Reserve has often talked about a 2% inflation target. That is modest, but it still means that prices are going up. People might complain groceries have gotten more expensive in the past year or so, but an easing of inflation doesn't mean prices go back to where they were. There are a few exceptions like gasoline, which are dependent on world oil prices, which are the indicator of strength in the global economy. So the concept here is to buy non-perishable staples when they are on sale become a better grocery shopper. Number 10. When something gets too expensive, cheaper providers emerge. Capitalism in action is wonderful in many ways. When the pandemic ended and people rushed to bars on Friday nights to socialize, happy hour disappeared. People paid higher prices. When other businesses see packed bars on Friday, they want to win some of that business. Happy hours gradually returned. The concept you don't need to assume an $18 glass of white wine, is the new normal. You need to check out the competitors. Someone wants to win your business, and they do this by offering cheaper prices. And no tree grows to the sky. When the stock market does well for a sustained period, some people think this is the new normal, but it isn't. Markets are cyclical. Other investments emerge. In July and August, banks were offering 5% interest on CDs with FDIC insurance. This can attract money from the stock market because people have been waiting for higher rates for years. So the concept is remember, markets are cyclical. Plan ahead so you don't suffer huge losses because all of your money is committed to the stock market. Diversify and respect asset allocation. And number 12, debt is like fat. According to Forbes, About 42% of Americans are obese. This is not by choice. It's easy to gain weight and tough to lose weight. Debt often occurs when you pay with plastic while you're out and having a good time. Concept. Like losing weight, you need to change your routine activities and make meaningful progress in reducing debt. This is another area where financial planning brings value to the relationship. Number 13. Free advice is what you pay for it. Years ago, we bought into the idea that information assessed via the internet should be free. This expanded into advice in general. Many people assume advice should be free, but advice has value. You pay your accountant your lawyer for advice, you usually follow it. So the concept is that free advice is often biased advice, it's trying to sell you a product. And volatility, here's another good expression. The market can go up like an escalator and down like an elevator. The paper profits, are slowly accumulated over time, can disappear. You know the concept here is you may not want to take profits because it incurs a tax liability. But there are ways that you can protect profits or hedge your position. We do quite a bit of that. We actually it was one of the changes that we made in the process of our moving back to LPL Financial. In our previous relationship, we were required to have we had a couple strategies that did hedge them down on the downside in the market, but they required hundred thousand dollar minimums. Well, I found out that at LPL, because of the number of representatives we have, all of a sudden we have the same or very similar strategies available that take a lot less than $100,000, and we are in the process of implementing those in our portfolios today. So it used to be I might have used one strategy today. I'm using three or four different strategies or three or four different managers. So something for you to think about. And number 15, the government expects you to exhaust your own resources before they'll support you. Having your cake and eating it, too, is not how the government views long-term care. Before they're going to cover the expenses via Medicaid, they want you to spend most of your own money. So the concept here is as we get older and the probability of needing long-term care increases, we need to know how the rules work and what they can and can't do in advance. A lot of good thought there. A lot of good concepts. 15 common sense concepts that we can talk about if you'd like. Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Thank you for listening.
2: Hi, this is Marcia Neal. You probably know me from Vibrant USA. We are excited to announce we are now Guided Solutions. That's right, we have a new name. We are continuing to offer our same great services and look forward to hearing from you. Are you approaching retirement and need help navigating Medicare? Are you on Medicare and want updates on potential changes for 2024? Our agents are here to help, so give us a call at 866-733-5111. Dedicated to Service, shining a light on local individuals, law enforcement and groups giving back to our community. Brought to you by House of Luxury in Bellingham. Dedicated to Service congratulates Allied Arts of Whatcom County upon their selection this year for the Community Impact Award. Allied Arts of Whatcom County is one of nine honorees of the 2023 Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards, the highest honor bestowed by the Governor's Office for accomplishments in arts and culture. Active since 1979, the staff and volunteers of Allied Arts of Whatcom County, empower artists via events and gallery space, enrich school children through education outreach, and work as local liaisons to art enthusiasts of all ages. Congratulations to all, and thank you for your service to our community. Dedicated to Service is brought to you by Neater House of Luxury, with Bellingham's finest selection of jewelry, including GIA-certified diamonds and lab-grown diamonds, and custom design. Neater House of Luxury, 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's back patio
0: get informed and inspired with saturday morning live on kgmi join a group of knowledgeable hosts as they present a variety of guests and viewpoints on issues important to our area and to you and your family sponsored by asset advisors llc and linden sheet metal each saturday from 8 to 9 a.m on kgmi news talk 790 96.5 fm in bellingham and KGMI.com
2: Cause there ain't no doubt I love this
0: land
1: God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Glad to have you with us this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here as usual. If you got questions for me, you can always give me a call 360-733-1200 And we're seeing a report this week that the Atlanta Fed president says that rates are now high enough in order to lower inflation to 2%. Basically, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta president, Rafael Bostic, reiterated that he doesn't think policymakers need to raise interest rates any further, and that policy is restrictive enough to bring inflation back to their 2% goal. He said, I think our policy rate is sufficiently restrictive position to get inflation down to 2%. He said that on Tuesday during a conversation held at the annual convention of the American Bankers Association. He said, I actually don't think we need to increase rates anymore. Bostic added that an unexpected change in economic outlook could require officials to lift rates higher, but that's not what he currently expects. Top Fed officials are uniting around the idea that tighter financial conditions, driven by a recent surge in U.S. Treasury yields, may reduce the need for additional increases in their benchmark interest rate. Yields on 10-year Treasury securities have risen about 40 basis points. That would be four-tenths of 1% since the September 19th and 20th policy meeting to about 4.7% as of Tuesday morning. When asked about how rising yields could affect the policy, Bostick said Tuesday that rates are clearly restrictive, the economy slowing down, and more impacts from the Fed increases are yet to come. We'll see. And... When oil traders are watching about the aftershock on the attack on Israel, the shock attack by Hamas and Israel's response risk a wider destabilization in the region, and the global oil market is watching. There are sprawling questions about the geopolitical consequences of the conflict erupted after 50 years after the Yom Kippur War that of the 1970s oil crisis. There's no suggestion that the fallout in the current situation will be comparable to what happened back then. But it could, after the geopolitical landscape in the in the East is unpredictable in ways. Israel has broadly pointed the finger at Iran following the attack, and Tehran has denied involvement, but they're also calling it a victory. Before the weekend, Saudi Arabia had been close to a deal with Israel that would have brought increased stability in the region. U.S. and Iran were engaged in broad but largely unacknowledged efforts to reach that kind of detente. And with higher oil flows, I did mention that earlier in today's show. Many of the geopolitical considerations will hinge on how far Israel takes its responses, particularly with regard to Iran. For now, here are the most immediate considerations we need to think about with oil. Number one, sanctions enforcement. There's a widely held belief in the oil market that the U.S. has turned something of a blind eye to sanctions of Iran's oil flows, allowing shipments to soar in recent months. That has helped keep a lid on oil prices and the market has seen a huge loss of supply from Saudi Arabia, Russia and the rest of OPEC+. Plus, There's a chance that the U.S. could take aim at this trade. The Islamic Republic currently sells the bulk of its crude exports to China sending 1.5 million barrels a day, the most in a decade, in August, according to data intelligence firm Kepler. It's hard to be sure how much control the U.S. can really exert. Since Iranian sanctions were reimposed in 2018, sales to Chinese customers have increasingly been transacted in yen or the yuan, or via barter trade and executed by local banks to circumvent Western restrictions. Oil is transported on Iran's own tankers, so-called dark fleet vessels, using a steady chain that U.S. authorities can't easily control. Many outcomes of these cuts, Iran's oil flow, could boost demand for Russia's barrels, which is an undesirable outcome for Washington or other group of seven nations trying to cut Moscow's access to petrodollars. What's more, any move to clamp down would tighten the oil market, a big decision is going to take place because of the election year here in the U.S. Also, there's concerns about the Strait of Hormuz disturbance. The strait connects oil producing countries in the Persian Gulf to refineries all over the world. It is a transit point of one of every six barrels of oil that the world consumes, a stretch of water over which Iran has often claimed dominion. It's vital to the global energy markets. For now, there's no sign that Tehran. Is moving to disrupt merchant shipping, something it has done in recent times, often in a tit for tat measures. Her moves has never been truly halted, not in the tanker war of '84, in which Iran and Iraq would have routinely attack each other's oil carriers, and not in the more recent times when Tehran stepped up vessel seizures and harassment of merchant shipping. Holding Hormuz hurts Iran's allies doesn't mean it can't be significantly disrupted, even to the point of disrupting the flow of oil. But it's hard to see that it's being fully stopped. Beyond the strait, there are being instances in recent years where Iran's oil shipments have been intercepted and disrupted by Western powers, another source of potential disruption and escalation. So how wide would this be? Well, the readout from the conflict for oil markets rests very much on what Israel does in the coming days, weeks, and months. Iran is a very big wild card, and there are focus on how strongly the Israeli Prime Minister blames Tehran for facilitating the attacks. Number four, strategic releases. The conflict only spires to something that affects uh, the supply of oil. Oil boosts oil prices for a prolonged period. It would be justification for the U.S. government to further sell barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, but that could quell short-term moves, but it would nevertheless leave the U.S. needing to replenish its stockpiles at some point in the future which maybe probably is now because they've already taken the strategic down to less than 30% of its capacity. Not a real secure place for our country to be in this situation, I don't think. And then number five, history as a guide. For all these risks, there's nevertheless a chance that this war only proves to be immaterial for the oil market. Turmoil in the region in recent times hasn't been a catalyst for structural moves higher in oil prices. Traders want proof that the disturbances are material for supply and usually they aren't. The oil prices and the supply of oil is something that we will need to keep track of as we move on through this crisis or what's going on in the Middle East. Well, okay, emergency funds are gonna supplant your retirement as Americans' as top money worry saving retirement is no longer the top financial issue causing American worker stress, according to a new survey from Employee Benefit Research Institute or EBRI and Greenwald Research. Having enough savings to pay for an emergency has moved up to the top stress causing financial issue among employees. The survey says it's first of its four-year history. In fact, nearly half the respondents say they would have to dip into their savings or investment portfolios to pay an unexpected expense of $5,000 or more. Handling monthly expenses came in as the second most stress-induced financial issue for those surveyed. Saving enough for retirement dropped to third place. At the same time, more than 80% of workers surveyed are at least somewhat concerned that there will be a recession in the next year or that inflation will remain high or both. Three quarters of respondents shared that their household debt level was a problem. And all, more than half the respondents agreed that worrying about finances distracts them from their work. Another significant change in previous years is a drop-off in the percentage of respondents who said that they are extremely or very satisfied with their benefits package. In the current survey, 40% employees were in that camp versus 44% last year and 51% in 2021. <laughs> Nevertheless, 20% of respondents reported that their benefits package is somewhat designed to meet their needs. Only 22% were simply not satisfied with their benefits at all. Health insurance is ranked as the most important employee-based benefit. Fully 70% of respondents said that health insurance coverage was the main reason they stayed in their current job. Only 55% of those surveyed said they're satisfied with their current health coverage. An equal percentage said that the mental health benefits have become more important to offer in the past year. An overall measure of job satisfaction, 51% of those said that they were extremely or very satisfied. But the insecurity in job is a major factor. Two-thirds of respondents reported feeling at least somewhat concerned that their employer will lay off employees or reduce hours, While roughly three-quarters worried that employers will not offer raises or bonuses. These stressors take a toll. 75% of respondents said that they are moderately or very highly concerned about the emotional well-being or mental health. Another quarter rated their mental health is fair to poor. Roughly half of those surveyed said that they feel stressed, often or always. And nearly 40% frequently feeling anxiety or depression. And a quarter said that they are wrestling with loneliness. The economic impact of these mental health issues half the respondents reported that their mental health and well-being negatively impacted their performance at work. Well, one significant contributor to workplace anxiety is caring responsibilities. Sixty percent of respondents said that they struggled to balance work and caregiving as a child, elder, or disabled person. Of the 1,505 full-time and part-time employees surveyed online in July and August of this year who ranged from age 21 to 64, roughly half worked at least part-time as caregivers. Three-quarters of caregivers reported struggling to find balance. Overall, 60% of workers surveyed acknowledged that they do not feel financially prepared to reduce their work hours if they ever need to devote more time taking care of loved ones. Some interesting results coming out there. This has been Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. As always, we do thank you for li- listening. I hope you have a good week. And don't forget our live show next Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. And as always, if you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Thanks and have a great week.